I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Your source for big gun talk. It's off tackle. Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, your home for Big Ten college football and sometimes basketball, but, eh, you know, a lot of times not. On uh, SB Nation, Vox Podcast Network, whatever we're on now, uh, once again, this is Steve Ron with uh, Anna Koshevsky, and we just uh, interrupted the recording of this podcast to go and uh, watch Illinois lose a basketball game. Like, I feel like I'm just in basketball hell watching the same exact game on repeat where we just have no idea what we're doing in the first half. We're getting crushed by, like, 25. And then we come back and claw and tie the game up and then do something really stupid in the last two seconds and lose. Well, that sounds more like basketball purgatory to me, but not being of the Catwick persuasion, I am going out on a little bit of a limb here. And I guess gonna... it's purgatory because I've seen it so many times, I'm not really even upset about it. And so we're going to begin here with a moment of silence for coaches who lost their careers and have to dry their tears with multi-million dollar buyouts this holiday season. Please, join hands. Christopher Ash, William Taggart, Jonathan Morris. Is that what Chad's short for? I've never known. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's short for anything. Chadwick. I think Chad's... Chadwick is a thing. Know. Chattels, like Charles, kind of. <laughs> like, it's pretty close to Charles. Uh, also... Clay Helton, who Chadley. who rallied his team to go eight and four despite being projected to start zero and six. Wait, by they have of... he hasn't been fired yet. No, they he? no they did. They fired Wait, him. Where's the official thing? We got. I'm pretty sure they've. All right, so maybe we've maybe we've come right out of the gate firing wildly into the air, inaccurately so, but because I know that there was a whole thing about where Sports Illustrated. When I search it, when I Google him, Clay Houghton fired is the first thing that comes up. Yeah, but there was a thing where Sports Illustrated disputed Sports Illustrated's reports that Sports Illustrated uh, had initially confirmed. Well, I guess it does say sources dispute report Clay Houghton is being fired at USC. USC hasn't announced it, is my point. Okay. All right. Of course, like, yeah, they've absolutely gone eight and four, but they're ranked seventy sixth in recruiting for twenty twenty. Uh, yeah. Tell you what? Yeah. What they need to do is shit or get off the pot. They should be able to. They should either fire this guy or publicly announce an extension. They've got to do one thing they or another because yeah. they're doing serious long term harm to the program. Like whoever like, the next every, guy is. Every that this goes on. The odds that the next guy succeeds, if it's not Clay Houghton, get lower with every passing day because it's more and more of a recruiting disadvantage. And look, like, Chip Kelly's not exactly filling this vacuum. Like, the AFC South is a total, has a total absence of a power structure right now. Like, Utah is, is only there because they're just consistently good, like above average. And this year, that has made them a powerhouse in the Pac-12 South because there's nothing else there. 
So if USC were to even remotely get its act together, they'd be back on top overnight. Overnight. They just have to stop trying to hire some Pete Carroll towel guy and, and find somebody else. Pete Carroll had no prior affiliation to USC, did he? No. So, like, do that again. Like, just find, hire the best coach that you can find. And trust that with your institutional advantages and being parked in the middle of one of the biggest talent hotbeds in the country, that you're going to be fine. It doesn't take a special coach to win nine games a year at USC. To win 11 games a year at USC, I would submit, but that's just me. Um, so anyway, apparently it's now disputed whether he's gone or not. I mean, if, it would be dumber if they brought him back at this point. Elsewhere, Frank Wilson of the Roadrunners finally <laughs> su- finally succumbing to Acme Athletic Department. Four and eight this year. I think he was like ten games under five hundred in four seasons there. Who knew UT San Antonio had standards more than UT more than UT Austin apparently. What's uh, uh, Steve Adazio is now an unemployed dude. Yeah, and bring him in as the offensive line coach. Stat. Wait a minute. Never mind Illinois. Just don't make any any staff changes. Otherwise, they'll be accompanied by Miles Smith is now the defensive coordinator. Never mind. <laughs> God, Just. I mean, just pretend I didn't say anything. If he's open to being an offensive line coach, I would sure as hell prefer him over Mark Staten right now. I mean, I don't know if, if Antonio intends to stay long term. I don't know how he doesn't make some major staffing changes after this debacle of a season. So if he can convince a guy like Steve to come, maybe he takes him to Crunchies and gets him a bucket full of pretzel nugs. That seems like a pretty good way to convince him. I'll tell you where it's a worthy place for a dude. I'll tell you where he's going. Rutgers. Ohio State. That depresses me. Well, why? Well, who would they replace him? Who would they put him on staff to replace? Like, I have no idea. Who is he an upgrade over on their staff right now? I, mean, I don't know. All I know is that he'd be an excellent offensive line coach. And remember, he was under Urban Meyer at some point. And apparently, like, Urban Meyer has transferred, like, all of his Urban Meyer powers to Ryan Day. So, uh, you're, like, does any... Oh, man. You're thinking that... I feel like I'm the only person... Uh, in this podcast or its audience that that has seen the anime My Hero Academia, but very much like uh, like uh, like one for all, you know, it's just like not now he just you know Urban Meyer now passes his power down to the next generation to 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 ensure that the light of of oppressing everybody never is extinguished from this world. Dude, I have yet to watch all of Breaking Bad, and you're bringing up new TV that I haven't watched. Like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, get back to me in, like, 2028, and maybe I'll be caught up to the TV you're recommending to me this year. Um, but you, 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 it's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, if that's the theory, then I guess, what are we going to see? Ohio State linebackers coach Charlie Strong as well, because South Florida fired him out of a cannon, as they should have probably two months ago. Well, I mean, it's our, I mean, Ohio State's already sort of become the junior Alabama. Uh, <laughs> do, yeah, I mean, the question you know, is, do they, rehab. Do, do they need a theoretical pipeline into South Florida as well? Like, do they not already get whoever they want from pretty much or anywhere? Because um, they've, they've been doing this whole rehab your image with a stint at Ohio State thing. I mean, they, they took in Kevin Wilson immediately. Well, he hasn't gone anywhere else yet, though. I mean, I guess we'll True. see. We'll see if he turns out to be a successful rehab project if he gets hired at like, I don't know, Boston College. Would that be the dumbest thing in the world for them to hire an assistant from Ohio State? I don't know if their boosters care about the stuff that Wilson was involved with in the past. Who knows? Um, speaking of 
Barry Odom also got fired for getting <laughs> a bowl ineligible team to six and six because I guess at Mizzou it's not good enough to fail to keep up with Georgia and Florida. Like, is that real? I, I don't know what Mizzou thinks of itself as. Well, you really want to know what the deal is. I think they're a little bit drunk off of Gary Pinkle and seem to think that's what they actually are. Well, the way that the Gary Pinkle era ended was a little bit weird, but Mizzou, Mizzou decided to just kind of take, you know, do the program stability route. And yeah. How often does that really work? Um, I mean, Ryan Day, yeah, but, you know, that's a little bit, that's kind of Indiana. unusual. Kinda, yeah. Um, so the the thing that counter counterpoint Mizzou has been Bobby Williams, but anyway, yeah, has been very cultural because if you'll remember, they had a big problem on their campus a few years ago with um, with protests about institutional racism in the university. Yeah, um, and what I've heard. Just, just because, of course, you know, Illinois recruits against Missouri a lot, um, draws in the same recruiting area, is that the... the Gotta uh, fight them for the guys that Iowa isn't actually targeting in St. Louis while they're getting the real good players. The, um, <clears throat> the what, what I've heard is that Barry Odom is just kind of out of touch culturally with the St. Louis area as far as recruiting is concerned and is a little bit more of this... Um, it represents the Ozarks more than St. Louis, if you get my drift. And sure, and you know, if you want to build a successful football program, what you want to do is recruit rural Missouri. Um, so no wonder his program has has uh, just taken off and soared to unimagined heights here. I, I get, I get what you're laying down. But and the I other guess, thing you is, know. they 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 seem to be in position to do some damage. They were ranked, and they you know the thought was Kelly Bryant that they may have a chance to go and, and compete with Georgia, and then they get their shit pushed in by Vanderbilt at home. Yeah, that seemed to kind of break their season, at least any odds of it working out. Wasn't it, didn't the NCAA wait a comically long time to make their decision? Was it like after the Vanderbilt game? Like, like all right, well, if they no, lost to Vanderbilt, they're like, definitely not going to a bowl. It, it was, was like a week or two ago. Literally last yeah. week. It was last week, like late last week. Well, say, maybe I'm misremembering when that Vanderbilt game was, but it felt to me like them getting the bowl battle was like a punishment for losing to Vanderbilt. Like, oh, okay. They were, they were That's, If you ain't even going to cheat good, then you're definitely yeah. not going to the ball this year. <laughs> um other than that, like right after I put this segment together, uh, Matt Luke got fired. We commented before, like if they weren't gonna fire him before, then is there like if you if you go and meet with the athletic director at the end of the season, which I assume for any non pedigreed coach, you probably do have to account for what you've been doing to some extent. So you know, I picture Matt Luke meeting with the athletic director. And like he goes into the AD's office, and the guy and the, whoever the guy is isn't there yet, and so he like sits down in a leather chair, and there's like a giant flat screen TV, and it's just a replay of the old Miss player like lifting, his, lifting, his, lifting his leg to piss on the Mississippi State M, and he's just like looking at it, like he gets more and more uncomfortable. It's just playing out a loop, and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, and then like ten minutes later, the athletic director comes in, he's like. Oh, hey, sorry about that. And he, like, you know, clicks off the <laughs> TV. He's like, so. I don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't apologize for shit. <laughs> yeah. 
That's how I picture that meeting going. You know what? They're out a damn blaze of glory. I guess. There, there were rampant rumors. Well, I mean, one extremely high-profile rumor that they had hired Mike Leach that apparently was fake. Um, I mean, would there be a better fit for Ole Miss? I submit no, because yeah, why not? It's been a while since he went to a new area of the country and ruffled feathers in a different place. So, hey, look, him at SEC Media Days, man. That would be, that that alone would be worth the transition. So, I miss Steve Spurrier. Yeah, it's well now it's just a legion of Saban assistant clones and Coach O. Yep, that's basically what we have to sell for. So we'll move now into our previews of the conference title games. I've provided my ranking of where each of. Oh, I see you jumped in too. Okay, good, good, good. So we begin with the conference that is just on the cutting edge of thinking, real West Coast culture, and so they put their conference title game on Friday night in a stadium an hour away from San Francisco. Pac-12, Utah, and Oregon, have you any thoughts whatsoever? I mean, I actually think that it's about the only Power 5 game that I think will be, like, really competitive. So yeah. Baylor-Oma. Agreed, yeah. Because um, they didn't play in the regular season, did they? Or no, I don't know. I don't recall them playing. I think that would have been a big deal. Yeah. Well, why don't we... Well, because they, they might have played it back before either of them was thought of as a thing. No, because Oregon lost... Oregon's losses are to Auburn and... And Arizona State. Arizona no, State they, and Utah's losses to USC, so they haven't played. They have not played this year. Um, that loss to Arizona State was, of course, just a couple of weeks ago, and that pretty firmly put Oregon out of the playoff picture, even with a win here. Um, the, the interesting thing is yeah, we, because you can't lose to 500 teams you can only lose to sub 500 teams Georgia yeah the, the interesting thing here is just because of the way things are positioned there's a pretty good chance that win or lose Oregon gets the Rose Bowl isn't there am I, am I crazy to think that if they win they're not going to a playoff and they would be the Pac-12 champion. If they lose, Utah, I think, should be going to the playoff, so they're not eligible for the Rose Bowl, so the next Pac-12 team is Oregon. Don't they go either way? I don't know. It kind of depends. It depends on... It, it depends on what, though. I mean, if Utah gets left out as the Pac-12 champion, I guess that means they go to the Rose Bowl instead. Yeah. I mean, that's happened before. But if that happens, then isn't the Pac-12 immediately leaving the NCAA? Like, it, <laughs> aren't there going to be more important things on our plates is what I mean? Because a one-loss major conference team, especially one... Like, again, Utah's loss is not inexcusable this year. That's a highly talented USC team. Yeah. But there is also just the looming specter of Oklahoma having been there before. I guess, but... The fact that they've been there before hasn't really seemed to benefit Clemson in the eyes of the rankings. I mean, if they lose, they're getting left out as a one-loss defending national champion. And yeah, but you can't lose... A, the only hard and fast rule is that you can't lose your conference title game. Yeah, I suppose that is true. That is literally the only rule that we know. So, of course, you've noticed here that we've talked very little about the substance of the game itself. Um, I would expect Utah to win this game because... We mentioned this in the context, for example, of Minnesota-Penn State. 
it's one thing to look at the talent of the players. That's obviously the most important thing because it's not like the coaches are out there tackling, throwing, or catching. But if I have to pick for one game between roughly comparable rosters talent-wise, I know Oregon's recruited a lot better recently, and they're definitely in a year or two. This game will be Oregon by a couple of steps, I think. But if you take these two teams where they are right now, do you want Mario Cristobal coaching your one game, or do you want Kyle Whittingham coaching your one game? Utah is incredibly consistent because they're incredibly well coached. They're very yeah, steady. They're one of and they're they're the Swiss they're the Swiss watch of college football programs. Here's here's an amazing thing. Okay, Urban Meyer, of course, you know, a high climber. Got out of Utah, went to Florida and such. Kyle Whittingham probably had a bunch of offers to leave Utah and instead piloted them into the Pac-12, and now they're maybe playing for the playoff. He did it the hard way. Yeah. He, he, took, his, he took a school to the ranks of... He kind of is to Utah what Mark Antonio was to Michigan State. I mean, Nick Saban left East Lansing because he didn't think he could win there. Yes. Wrap your head around that, first of all. That Saban bailed because he was, I mean, and also because the school had its, it was in complete administrative chaos and wouldn't pay him. But he left primarily, in my understanding, because he didn't want to compete against Michigan and Ohio State every year. Kyle Whittingham passed on opportunities to take the easy road, knowing that he would end up in a division with USC when his school got realigned. And now he's there. And yeah, they lost to USC this year, but they're in a much better position from a program standpoint. Um, such good health. I mean, they've got... I saw a piece on them, and I forget where it's from, but Zach Moss and a couple of their other better players are all from either the same town or maybe even the same school. I don't remember if it's like Miami or Tampa, but somewhere really far away, both physically and culturally from... Utah. Everywhere is culturally far from Utah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, there's probably like some Mormon enclaves in Montana or something that are pretty similar, but it, it was an interesting story, and it was just kind of like what kind of coaching personality does it take to kind of, I'm thinking, I think it was like Tampa or something, but Tampa or Atlanta, one of the, a big southern city, I believe. But Whittingham convinces this fistful of guys to come there and basically be the fusion engine that powers this whole thing that makes it move. And it's just on you, like you don't see guys leave home very often anyway, let alone to go that far away. For I mean, what was his track record at that point? Yeah, and Utah certainly seemed to belong a little more. I mean, basically, Utah was a little more than just like a spooky thing. No, they, yeah, right. They were basically, I mean, did you not think of them in kind of the same way you thought? Were they not just Mountain and Defense Indiana? Like, that's kind of how I thought of them the last few years. Like, a good enough team, pretty interesting to watch. They do certain things really well, but far from a complete program. And then they just kept getting better and better and better and better and better. Did they lose Bolton Northwestern last year? Um, I'm sure I didn't watch. <laughs> Yeah, what, what an incredible indictment. I mean, I don't know what kind of... I mean, I guess it is proof that, that, that even pretty decent coaches can lose to shit as Northwestern teams. Sure. So, the last point here... reassuring. There are 10 conference title games in, out of the FBS ranks. You and I have put a ranking on each of them. I put this game at number 6. You put it at number 5. 
we vehemently disagree, and we're going to keep this rolling. Justin Herbert is late-stage Brett Favre at this point. He will win you the game and then lose you the game in the same game. And some NFL team is still going to take him with a top 10 pick. 100%. Look, I don't think he's going to be like Christian Ponder bad, but he feels like the kind of draft pick that gets a GM fired. I don't think he's the kind that wins you a Super Bowl or becomes a franchise quarterback. He may not be a total disaster, but I think he gets a GM fired. Because I think he's going to be viewed as a miss in a couple of years. That's just, I mean, even in, the, even in the terrible bowl game they played against MSU last year, he did not impress me much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, All right. Let's Let's talk talk about about a game that should be more interesting. Baylor Homa, round two, more than just a top 10 baby name in the year 2019. Baylor Homa. So, I don't know. I mean, this was barn burner last time, but OU did not have the services of CeeDee Lamb in that game, and I think that's going to make a big difference. It should. The other thing is, this is, I mean, does Baylor still have a road to the playoff if they win? Sure they do. Oklahoma's got a much clearer road to the playoff. I wonder how that works from a motivational standpoint. I mean, if you're Baylor, do you feel that you're being hashtag disrespected with a K because you're not in that same picture despite having a kind of comparable record, honestly? Um, maybe it does work out that way. Wait a second. There's precedence. If there's two Big 12 teams and the one has kind of an inexplicable loss and then the other has a loss just to the other, then that means that you have to leave them both out. Right. So as you know, well, although... <laughs> Didn't Baylor lose to... No, Kansas State lost to West Virginia. That's what injured Oklahoma's resume. Yeah. <laughs> so, the other thing, obviously, keep in mind of this game is this is the last game you'll get to see Jalen Hurts play in college before he's like a sixth-round pick in the NFL and never plays and you never see him again. So, watch this game to watch that guy play because... He does not feel like a Lamar Jackson-esque kind of guy. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I mean, you're a, you're a, you're a Moonlight Oklahoma fan. Freed from Satanism, Jalen Hurts is absolutely delightful to watch. But here's the thing. They retooled the offense around him so that it actually yeah. much more strongly resembles the shit they were running in the, in the 70s and 80s. The flexbone shit, yeah. Like yeah. They, the yardage numbers might hide this from you, but they really are not the high-volume passing attack they were with Murray or Mayfield. Nevertheless, he still threw for over 3,000 yards. Yeah, well, I mean, it helps when you have receivers that can take any catch for a touchdown. But Yeah, but it also <laughs> it also helps. That, I mean, Joe Burrow has the same advantage. Tua sure. Tagovailoa has the same advantage. Um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like Jalen Hurts might get slotted into that maybe Antoine Randall category, although he's not near the the, the raw athlete. No, he's, that's he's a yeah. he's. It's weird because he's a he's like a small Cam Newton as far as his running style is concerned because he's a he's actually a fairly physical runner. Yeah, he's not. When you think of mobile quarterbacks, it's pretty unusual that you think of a guy that seeks contact, but. Yeah, he's, he's a running back with an arm. Right, not not the arm of a Cam Newton. Like that that direct comparison isn't fair, but it's just in their running styles. But he's also he's not he's not you know JT Barrett. I, I got a weedy arm. Right, but uh, <laughs> and see here's the other thing. Like if you look at his tape and think back to the Washington film of one Jake Locker, is there any reason that Hertz shouldn't be evaluated at least comparably? No, there isn't. He's a much better player right now than Jake Locker ever was, but he's not going to get first-round looks, I wouldn't think. I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but the consensus seems to be that this draft, that this crop of quarterbacks is pretty good, even with Tua being hurt, but Jalen Hurts is not a name that comes up in those conversations, at least not from what I've heard. He might be a little too black. To get the benefit of the doubt that Jake Locker, Jake Locker did, I'm just gonna say it. Well, you know, you just you look and is is he appropriately statuesque and does he have the intangibles and it, what about his motor? Is his motor just high? Is he is he a good character guy? How is he in the locker room? What kind of rodent is he in the gym? Do we even know these <laughs> things? Yeah. So compare um, him to sandpaper. Is he sufficiently gritty? <laughs> Could he possibly be the Philadelphia Flyers mascot? All of which is to say that Steve and I agree this is game number two on our ranking of preferences. Um, especially in this slot, you're not going to do better. That said, however, there are a couple of other games that are compelling in a different way. The Fun Mount Championship, also a noon kick on Saturday. Louisiana Lafayette at Appalachian State. Yes, I say at because the Fun Belt is one of the conferences that correctly hosts its conference title games at the home stadium of the higher-seeded team. This is a superior version of scheduling, and I will not hear arguments to the contrary. 100%, because here's the thing. You can at least pretend that it's not just a cynical cash grab. Yeah. Because that's what it is. But if we're going to pretend, let's pretend hard. Like, exactly. like really close your eyes. Exactly. Right? Let's try to make it resemble college football as much as possible. Instead of transforming it into as much of an NFL game as you can with a half-empty stadium. An NFL exhibition game. Yeah, a completely sterile environment, usually hundreds of miles away from either fan either fan base's home, home base, you know. Um and again, you know, remind me why I'm compelled to support the economy of Indiana if Michigan State ever makes it back to a Big Ten title game. Make college football college football again, damn it. Yeah, so as far as these two teams go, with the exception of one stumble on a Thursday night game against a triple option team, Appalachian State has not missed a beat with Satterfield leaving, which maybe shouldn't have been surprising because the way they've been rolling the last couple years should have told you even if Drinkwitz isn't as good of a head coach, this train was going to keep rolling a little bit just based on their momentum. Um, Louisiana's a good team, too. There's no t- and they insist on being called Louisiana, so I'll just refer to them as that, whatever. I don't care. Um, but the high temperature for Saturday in Boone, North Carolina is 39 degrees. 
small advantage to the home team on that one, I think. Yeah. However, what I noticed is this. Uh, I was paying attention to this game. I think I tried to actually pick Darrington Evans uh, in the regular season version of this game, but fortunately my it just failed to save my picks uh, because he got shut down yeah. in this one. And it was a 17-7 to game, very competitive game. Uh, Billy Napier is kind of, I think, going to be a superstar. I hope to God he doesn't go to Missouri because I think he'll be really good. Uh, Drinkwitz is another one that I think is not going to be long for Boone. Well, he's been Napier's been there for what two years? This is his second year. It feels and this like he's second appearance in the title game, and it's not like he was mm-hmm. left. Like he was brought in to replace a coach that got fired for sucking. Yeah. So his recruiting bona fides have been proven through his. I mean, he worked for Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban. Um, and and, and Todd Graham. Don't, Don't forget Todd Graham. And Todd. <laughs> I mean, he, but well, his, his, his presence in Arizona State and the fact that Arizona State thought they could get him to stay is why they were so comfortable with going to the Herm Edwards CEO model because they thought they had one of the two coordinators they needed in place. I think Billy Gonzalez was the other one. Um, but yeah, it, the fact that he was there at Arizona State was like, we can get rid of the head coach as long as we convince this guy to stay. Now, he didn't, but... That's kind of how he was regarded by administration. So it's not going to be long before he has a head coaching job. And yeah, Drinkwitz, I think most ADs are probably going to want to see one more year of work from him so they get some proof that he's not just riding on Satterfield's leftovers before they hand him a job. But, but he's he was gonna, a guy who I'd seen in coaching searches before he became the head coach at State. Yeah, and who, I mean, NC State's probably just about done with Dave Doran, right? Like... Telling me that he couldn't, that Sarah, that a Drinkwitz couldn't get that job, I think that's a definite possibility next Billy year. Billy Napier in Arkansas is maybe an interesting thing to consider. I wonder. Or Ole Miss. Yeah, I wonder with Arkansas. Well, not actually, Ole Miss would be. Well, either, honestly. I mean, yeah. they're pretty similarly situated, are they not? Um, I wonder if. Arkansas might be a little bit gun-shy about going with the route of the hot group of five. They're probably going to be tempted to just grab a Saban coordinator, is my point. Like, would Steve Sarkeesian, would, would Steve Sarkeesian, Arkansas head coach, really shock you? No. No. So, you, I put this game at number three in my rankings. You put it at number four. Um, these are definitely a couple of the better group of five teams. Which, I mean, outside of the next game we're going to talk about, the group of five has really been a... Pretty solid meritocracy this year. We're seeing most of the better. There haven't been any weird situations like Akron sneaking into the MAC title game a couple years ago, despite Ohio being vastly superior. Speaking, Boy, Western Michigan earned their way out of the title game. Yeah, yeah, they did. Speaking of the MAC championship, Central Michigan versus the Miami Redhawks. So neither of these teams have been to this game this decade, I don't think. Didn't CMU go at least once with Butch Jones? Nope. 2009 with Dan Lefevre was a... Or the, was that Butch Jones? Uh, no, 2009 was still Brian Kelly, I believe. No. No, it was that Butch was Jones. Jones. It was Butch Jones, you're right. 2009 Cincinnati was the really good one. Yeah. With uh, Brian Kelly. Well, anyway, I thought they had made it one more time in the early 2010s, but they bottomed out pretty hard after Jones left, so... Um, Anyway, 
The Mac was an absolute Thunderdome this year, if you weren't paying much attention. Um, we have title game participants at 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four overall. However, you have West Division, last place Eastern Michigan, with six wins. Right. It was so massively imbalanced this year. Kent State got six wins. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is crazy. There's, unfortunately... Miami won the division. Like, there's probably going to be several MAC teams missing bowls that are bowl eligible this year. Yeah, although... Again, the projection I'm looking at indicates that the Big Ten might not fill its whole allotment, so that'll help. Um, I haven't checked on the positioning in other power conferences. Mizzou helps! <laughs> the ACC is probably going to fill its, though, because it was such a pot of mediocrity that everybody racked up a pretty good number of wins. So so neither team's quarterbacks passed for more than 2,000 yards. Of course, it includes, uh, oh my god, what's it? The Lesser Gabbert for... Jimmy Jimmy Gabbert. Jimmy Gabbertolo. No, I, I don't remember his name, but yeah, the non-Blaine Gabbert. And then um, Dormady at Central. So neither of these got to 2,000 yards. And for a little bit of context on how unusual that is in the modern era of offense, eight Big Ten quarterbacks cracked 2,000 yards this year. Uh, and Adrian Martinez was less than 50 yards away from also doing that despite missing several games. Fields, um... Can I go for it? Okay. Yes, okay, so Fields, uh, Clifford? I don't know, I should pull, I'll pull up the list, you keep it. Okay, 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 so Fields, Morgan, for sure. Had Morgan had to be one. Um, I think, uh, Stanley? Hold on. Say, um, Cone? So, so far, so far you said Morgan, Fields, Clifford, Cohn. Who else? Ramsey? Yes. You said Stanley. Yes, yeah. You said Fields. Is it Fields? Oh, Patterson. That's seven. And then uh, Lewerke? Yep. <laughs> Brian, yeah, Brian Lewerke. Yeah, 2,000 passing yards. Third in the league in passing. 2,759 yards, actually. <laughs> well then. 16 to 12 touchdown interception ratio. Love the love the conference interception. Versus is skewed because but. Purdue had so many quarterbacks play. But. Right, <laughs> Aiden O'Connell got 1,100 yards despite <laughs> starting like four or five what about, games. What about Plummer? Where's he? Uh, he's gonna be farther down. Okay. Um, well, actually, no, actually, he's number 11. He had 1,600 yards. <laughs> um, so Central then, Michigan, yeah. like Miami's the better story. But Central Michigan is the better team. Is the better um, team. Yeah. I, uh, Jonathan Kirk, Ward is a humongous threat at running back. He's a bell cow. He, yeah, he's especially effective at finding the end zone. I think 15 or 16 touchdowns. Um, Khalil Pimpleton is a legit number one receiver. And also a guy that you feel very embarrassed about having score on you because you're probably talking shit about acne-related puns all game and off the warm-ups and then... He's stunting on you in the end zone, so... Ooh, you a ton of pimples, boy. Yeah, so... Um, the other thing here is that actually Central Michigan has somewhat of an underrated run defense, uh, and given that Miami already has a pretty limited offense overall, not being able to run the ball, uh, could this could this feels like a game that could turn into a little bit of a romp. Um, for that reason... For Jim Mack! Old Wayne. It's just too perfect, ain't it? 
So for all those reasons, I had to put this game dead last in my conference title game watchability ranking with many apologies because we are enthusiasts of the Mac, but I don't think it's fair to say that we're see. I mean, this is not Northern Illinois Buffalo. No. So, but I put, I put it. All right. So I put it at number six. I'm going to be curious to see what teams you put under it. I mean, the next one certainly makes sense. The Conference USA title game starts at 1.30. Um, this is less about discussing these actual programs on the field than kind of just notes on where they are. Remember, um, UAB was as extinct as a program as recently as 2017. And then they started the program back up, and now they're back in a second consecutive title game. I mean, you mentioned Eli Drinkwitz as a popular target. If you're the AD at Ole Miss or Arkansas, how is Bill Clark not the first guy on your list, especially Arkansas, where you're basically, I mean, their roster compared to the rest of the SEC West is basically where UAB was when they had to shut their program down. Like they, they're in a worse spot because they're stuck with all these crappy players. So UAB, the thing is about Bill Clark is that I, I, you know, putting him on my very vast coaching list, wanted to see a little bit more out of him as far as not built because he took a unique program to, a unique approach to building that program from from the ashes that kind of doesn't seem repeatable. Well, he had like a 40-guy senior class, didn't he? Yeah. But that that class is gone this year, and here they are back in the conference title game. Now, granted, Conference USA, not exactly the stiffest of competition. In fact, it's the most placid of competition you're going to find in the FBS. But look, you still... Anything in the fun belt. No, I'm thinking of Conference USA. I would take the fun belt over them pretty much top to bottom. Yeah. 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 Think, dude, think about Appalachian State and um, and Louisiana versus these two competitors, for example. I mean, FAU has quietly been on a rampage since they started the season playing Ohio State and Central Florida, which was a little bit bold on their part. Um I guess, I mean, the bottom line there is that Lane Kiffin is not content to live out the rest of his life getting sunburned in Boca Raton. But, yeah, look, this game, I think you consider this your standby in the event that all three noon games are blowouts and unwatchable. Because it kicks off at 1.30. That means basically you can give those other three until halftime, and if none of them are none of them are stirring your drink, go ahead and flip over and see what Lane Kiffin and Bill Clark are up to. Other than that, I give it an 8. I don't think it's otherwise going to be high on your list of priorities. Yeah, I ranked it number eight because I can't get over UAD's 37-2 loss to Southern Miss a few weeks back. What the hell? I can't believe that they came out of this with a... Yeah, you know, when I was looking these up, I actually meant to read up on what exactly happened in that game, and I just could not muster the interest. So maybe that's all that I need to say about that game. Now I'm talking about the American. Yeah. Cincinnati at Memphis, round yeah, two. Yeah, Round two. Yeah, that was supposed to be a ding, ding, ding. Should have flicked it with your nail, but... Um, yeah, so here's the thing. We, we agree, number one overall, best conference title game there's going to be... 100% unanimous decision. First of all, Memphis, as we mentioned, is, is the appointment viewing in the group of five. Maybe in all of FBS, in my opinion, because... They've got this collection of skill players where in all phases of the game, but especially special teams and offense, they are explosive. And they're explosive defensively in kind of a way you don't want to be if you're a Memphis fan. But all that means is that they need to get out there and hustle on every possession offensively. So 
Brady White's a solid quarterback, but it's all about the skill guys, the receivers, the running backs. Kenneth Gainwell is familiar to us college fantasy players. He does invite game quite well. Yeah, which, by the way, is there a more fantastic name? I mean, it's got to be the most positional-lined name since D-liner. Kadeem Carey was pretty good. Carey on Johnson. I still like Gainwell more. Um, Gainwell's pretty good. But, yeah, and, you know, they've uh, yeah, Coxie. They've got they, they, tons of offensive skill guys who you're going to look at in a couple of years and be like, yeah, of course this guy turned into something in the NFL. Like, to see a guy like Daryl Henderson move on and not miss a step really says something about where they are in terms of finding guys who can play. Absolutely. Because Gainwell wasn't even like, you know, oh, this is obviously going to be the next guy. Now, they tried some guys. Yeah, he was just a, the guy who fell. He kind of took it, it was not unlike how Jonathan Taylor just grabbed hold of the job at Wisconsin as a freshman. Like, they had other options who had had a little bit of, a, of cameos before that. But once the guy got on the field, it was like, yep, him, him, more of him. And Cincinnati showed the ability to put up points if need be. They've, you know, they've, they've been a, a pretty trestle ball type offense when they've had to grind out the games with their defense. But they've also shown that when they're pressed for it, they absolutely can throw the ball and put up some points. Yeah. And so they, they, they don't like to transform into their second form. They like to conserve, <laughs> like to conserve energy, energy by right, right. In their base form. <laughs> so... This game will also certainly be of interest to any of you who may be in the market for a new head coach in the next year. Like, you're going to have to move quick if you want either of these guys because, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe Norvell is a guy who might stick around a little bit longer. Memphis feels like one of those jobs where if you lay roots, it's easy to stay there. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, Luke Fickle is obviously going to be a candidate who Big Ten teams are familiar with, and... Boy, if Mark D'Antonio was willing to relinquish his power now, he'd be at the top of my list. So, Well, Luke Fickle won as many games in his one season coaching the Big Ten as Mark D'Antonio did this year. So if that's his baseline, then things can only get better from there, theoretically. And he also actually knows what he's doing now. So anyway, uh, the SEC title game, 4 o'clock. Look, I think if Georgia keeps this game close, it'll be to their credit. Their defense is certainly better than LSU's defense, but LSU's offense is the best of the four major units in this game by a mile. Jamar Chase recently overtook Omar Bayless as the leading fantasy receiver, which is saying something because Omar Bayless just annihilated the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt. Yeah, I forget if Chase has 16 or 17 touchdowns now, but I think he's threatening a couple of conference records. Um, and in the SEC, that always does mean something. Um, it is fair to say that... Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, A.J. Green all came out of there. Yeah, and that's all just in the last decade. Odell Beckham, right. So uh, I think it's fair to say that LSU's defense has been papered over a little bit by how unstoppable their offense is. They are vulnerable. But uh, for one thing, George Pickens, who is one of Georgia's best receivers, is suspended for the first half due to targeting. Um Probably, Andre Swift, I think, is hurt. I don't know if he is or not. I didn't see anything mentioned about that. If he's down, one assumes Georgia has three or four other five-star running backs lying around that they could plug in just fine. The running game really hasn't been what I thought it would be this year, even when Swift was healthy. Um, because I think LSU's offense is going to is 
going to break the dam against Georgia pretty quickly. I put this game at number five. I'm putting this at number three, because consider Georgia as a stand-in for Bama, although Auburn has eliminated them. Consider how much joy it would bring you to watch LSU drop 50 on 2009 Bama. This game, I think, will still be fun, even if the game gets out of hand. Because, and LSU just does fun things now. Yeah. So, we'll continue moving along. Four o'clock slate as well. Hawaii at Boise State. The only thing that dings this a little bit for me is that it's a replay of an earlier matchup, which is the downside to campus site games. And also because Boise State has such a decisive advantage at home, it's probably going to be Boise pretty easily. Um, it is fair to say that Boise State's not playing with a backup quarterback, but they really haven't missed a beat since he's been in. They've been the power in the Mountain West that hasn't really changed this year. Um, and then one of those three BCS busters from the from the late aughts to, to not get into a power conference. Yeah, although, again, well, you know, honestly, like, are they really in that much of a different position from a media market perspective than Utah is? I Salt Lake is something of a market, I guess, but I don't know why they were necessary. Well, no, I do know. It's probably because of the rest of their athletic department. I, I remember MSU played Boise State in basketball a couple of years ago, and they had, like, one decent season right around that time, and other than that, they've been dragged. Yeah, well, it's also, and, I mean, it's, it's, it was conference musical chairs, and... What happened? That was when the TC. That was when TCU joined the Big East, and then Boise, <laughs> Boise State. State and then yeah. Boise State was like, no, 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 we're also joining the Big East. And then TCU just went, no, fuck you, get away from us, <laughs> leave us alone. Because <laughs> yeah, because TCU joined the Mountain West, and Boise State was like, ooh, ooh, us too, us too. And then, <laughs> then they went to join the Big East. Boise State went to join the Big East. And then that was peak conference realignment. Like yeah. that was as outrageous as it gets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So basically, all the chairs stopped spinning, and Boise State was left uh, sitting in the Mountain West. <laughs> they had yeah. a chair. It was just not the chair that they wanted. Well, they were sitting. In the, they were in the Big East. They never played a season in the Big East though, because it dissolved and became the American. Yeah. So, <laughs> I put this game. There could have been a Boise State Rutger conference game if they just played the one season. I think it's just as well that that didn't happen. Um, I put this game in number four if only because there's a decent chance of any Hawaii game of being pretty entertaining. I'm putting it at number seven because I, this is a game where I'm not going to put it on unless it's the fourth quarter and Hawaii still has a chance. Then I'm definitely watching, but knowing that Boise is just going to pull away and win. It's like, it could happen, but I, not, I don't feel it enough to want to watch it from the beginning. Right. The other thing is, in the mid-afternoon slot, it's tough for me to picture wanting to watch anything other than Memphis-Cincinnati. True. TBH. So, we'll slide ahead now to the late slate. The worst conference title game this year by a wide margin. Virginia at Clemson from Charlotte, 7.30. If you're looking at this and you think that the overall numbers are tricking you into thinking this is going to be close, you haven't paid attention to these teams recently. Virginia's never been more than above average. And Clemson has absolutely regained their championship form from last year in the second half of the season. They are every bit as good now as they were when they won the championship. They Whatever funk they had at the beginning of the season where they were only beating teams by two scores, uh, that Clemson's gone. The 50-plus margin Clemson is back. I don't see a path to victory for Virginia here. Number 10 out of 10 for me, skip it. 
yep, this could be the only college football game on Saturday, and I still wouldn't watch it. Yeah. (laughs) Clemson is just laying nuclear waste to everybody at this point. Right, and that's kind of a parallel to our own conference title game. Yep. Wisconsin Um, Ohio State. I put this one at number nine because what's the difference between this and the ACC title game? For me, the only difference is that I feel obligated to watch as though it's like family or something. Like, like as though like my kids in the Wisconsin Ohio <laughs> so you State. Like, it's like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna suck. But I, I promised I would. It's Saturday morning. It's like the, it's a nine o'clock game. It's raining, but it's like uh, he's gonna be disappointed if I, I don't I show up. I promise that I at least show up. I'm gonna be, hung- be doing so many better things I'm right now. Be hungover as hell. I'm gonna have a bloody mary in my coffee mug, but I guess I'll be there. Um, yeah, that's kind of what this. I put this up at seven just because there were a couple other games that I dinged a little bit more. But yeah, I, I think this will be closer than Clemson, Virginia, because you could talk me into Wisconsin's defense giving Ohio State's run game enough of a problem, like they did last time. Well, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying it's not impossible. I mean, Wisconsin's played a couple of pretty darn good games since then. I don't think that's likely, but it's our conference title game. Don't we have to pay some attention to it? Okay, I, I will, in this case, go with, did one of these teams lose to Illinois? Fair enough. Source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire.